You're listening to the Uncensored Direct Marketing Show. This show is designed for direct response marketers who want raw, unfiltered conversion tips and secrets to scale their offers profitably to reach their next million. I'm Maria Sparagas. I'm the founder of Direct Paynet and your host. Now let's dive in. Welcome everybody to another episode of Uncensored Direct Marketing. Today I have Gene Marks. Gene is a regular contributor to Washington Times, Philadelphia Inquirer, Guardian, Forbes, Entrepreneur Mag, The Hill. I mean, I feel like we can keep keep on going, Gene. Um, and Gene is a subject matter expert for small and medium-sized businesses. He has over 100,000 Twitter followers and just a lot of people who are following him on social media in general. And obviously, the reason that he's an expert, because obviously he's been helping a lot of businesses uh, for many, many years, but he also has a background in accounting, which is extremely important. Finance and accounting is a very important part of running a business successfully, at least. And usually people who are good with numbers can really help uh, build a business and make it better. So thank you so much, Gene, for hopping on today. I'm really excited, obviously, because of all the kind of different facets of business that you have uh, helped and visited and so forth. And I know everybody listening is going to get a lot of value. Um, um, just on kind of basic operations and um, the finance part of their business. Now, my big question to you, Maria, though, is uh, you, if the the podcast is uncensored, can we use profanity? Can we curse away? Of course, away? of can course, we? Okay. we welcome it. Anything, anything that <laughs> no, gets you no, point no. across. We'll try and keep this civil and tame and professional. That's fine. <laughs> and I appreciate you, uh, uh, you know, mentioning my accounting background. But I just want to give a warning to anybody listening that um, I am like the world's worst accountant. So you don't want okay. me for me, like. <laughs> If it's close enough, it's good enough. And that's not exactly what you want from an accountant. But oh, yeah. Well, yeah. So it does help. <laughs> the good thing, though, is that when you have a background in this yeah. and, you know, I studied accounting, I think I got a D. <laughs> like, to be fair, like I, I was terrible, but there are principles that kind of stuck into my head. Um, and that really the boring, like we call it the boring part of the business. You yeah, know what I mean? All, like, it's like the most important part of the business. Exactly. Yeah, like, like I like to do podcasts. I like to talk yeah. to my customers. I like to do analysis of businesses and so forth. I don't want to talk about my taxes. I really don't care. But a basic knowledge of how, you know, yes. everything works is really, well, really important. I, right? I got to tell you something, Maria, like I, you know, uh, I've been running my company now, God, since 1994, for God's sake, I can't believe it's been that long. But, um, and we have a lot of clients and um, my best clients are the ones that knew their books really well. You know, they knew how to buy something for a buck and sell it for three. And yeah. although I've met so many people like yourself who are so smart and innovative and you've know, got energy and you're into creating and all that kind of stuff, um, I still have to you know, say to you, if you're going to run a business, I mean, you, you, you got to add the numbers. I mean, it's business is math, you know, so- I um, that's why it's a, it's an important background to have. And if for anybody listening to this, I mean, if you, even if you don't, if you feel weak in accounting or financial stuff, uh, you should get some help with it as well. It's like super, super important for any kind of business, particularly any kind of online business that you're running, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I think I'm seeing a lot, a, a big trend of, you know, micro uh, COOs or COOs yeah. that are now kind of just doing little kind of micro projects for a lot of companies. Yeah, because like some outsourced. People don't yeah, outsource yeah. COs because yeah. you don't necessarily need a CO full time, yeah. but you need somebody like for 10 hours a week to kind of get things organized. So this is um, obviously a big thing. And I think a lot of people who are very creative and very good at running their businesses, they don't want to deal with the numbers because 
it's I, not I'll give you a problem. I mean, my, my wife runs a little nonprofit. She has like five employees and um, and it's been growing and she like, she's weak in accounting. And um, so, you know, she hired somebody off of LinkedIn that gives her, like you said, like five or 10 hours a week. And he's like a senior guy, but you know, the guy lives in New York and he's retired, but he knows his numbers and he wants some, you know, something to do. And um, she said, he's been like a lifesaver. Okay. You know, I mean, he keeps an eye on her, looks over the books, reviews financials. I mean, every business has to have a decent financial person. It's super, super important. Yeah, for sure. For growth. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, talking about financials and talking about, you know, the state uh, of how things are going in 2023, you know, I, I, I tend to not be a doom and gloom kind of person. I know yeah. a lot of people are in this, like the world is going to end. We're going through a depression. Things are going to, you know, implode and so forth. I think there's opportunity in every era. I think even, you know, when things are not going well, some people will still thrive. Um, I'm just wondering, you know, if you can give us a quick kind of summary of where you see things going yeah. kind of for small business. And also I know there's, it's a big concern, but interest rates and inflation and how that can affect your business, whether you're running, you know, an e-commerce shop selling supplements or whether you have a physical business business, this is obviously things that you need to keep in mind. Sure. Fair enough. Now I know you, I mean, you're out of Canada, but I, I'm assuming your audience is all like North America or is it mostly yeah, it, mainly, mainly American, but you know, we yeah. have, we have listeners guys, you know, share it all around the world. We want everyone, everybody to listen, <laughs> but mainly, um, you know, direct pain at like my, my company, uh, we deal mainly with, uh, Americans. Right. So, so I mean, that's, that's definitely helpful because people ask that question all the time. And first of all, whenever you ask uh, an economist or an academic or even somebody like me, um, that covers the economy, please know that we don't know what the hell we're talking about. You know, we, we, <laughs> we, we proved that back in 20, 2008 and 2009, when, you know, the economy collapsed, uh, our banks are proving it right now. We got the smartest people in the world, supposedly running banks, you know, and they're collapsing because of bad financial decisions they made. And, uh, so yeah, everybody's trying. And then of course we have this like global pandemic, which, you know, turn the world upside down. So in the defense of the smartest economists that have MBAs from Ivy League schools, um, you know, they are even McGill, uh, they are uh, (laughs) still, you know, there's only so much they can they can deal with. So everybody's trying to predict what's very, very hard for them to predict. So that's that's number one that I want to, you know, observe for you. I could tell you what my clients and my readers and my, uh, uh, you know, my community, you know, are telling me and based on the, the data that I look at, Um, And it comes down to this. Uh, Is the economy going into a recession? Um, It depends, Uh, Maria. It depends. Uh, We, just speaking for America, the U.S. is like a freaking big country. Uh, You know, we have 350 million people. The state of Texas, uh, the economy of the state of Texas is bigger than your economy in Canada. Just the state of of Texas. I believe it. Yeah. And the state of, you know, California is bigger than the UK. Uh, The state of Florida is bigger than like Mexico. The state of uh, North Carolina is bigger than Sweden. And I only bring that up because uh, I'm a big fan of ABBA and they're from Sweden. (laughs) So, uh, you know, so it's a big country. So depending on where you are in the country, what industry you're in, um, it, it depends on whether you're suffering or not. So like when people look at housing and real estate, um, you know, there, there are struggles in the Midwest with housing and also in states like Illinois and New York. But meanwhile, like Texas and Florida have been booming, just like South Carolina has been booming, you know, um, yeah. manufacturing has been declining and it's for the past six months have been in decline. Um, orders are down nationally. Inventory is rising. Um, that's sort of across the board. But then the services industry is like, crushing it. You know, business services and consumer services are, uh, I've been, I've been growing at a very, very nice pace. Retail and restaurants have 
uh, recovered from the pandemic and the airlines are back. But meanwhile, like convention traffic in Vegas is down like 15%. You know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so the tech industry has been laying off a zillion people, but meanwhile, like others that are in consumer goods have been doing okay. And the consumer keeps spending. So there's all this conflicting, you know, data that's going around. The overall sense is that we are in a bit of a slowdown. It is not anything that people should be panicking about. Most of my clients and the industry groups I speak to, Maria, are, uh, you know, whether they're selling into the U.S. online or not, um, are, are, again, not panicked, but they are aware and concerned of, you know, the slowdown in the economy. Um, You know, interest rates, it's all about interest rates all about interest rates. Uh, Inflation, you know, started it. So the Fed has been raising it. You know, the Fed, the Fed's um, federal funds rate, which was 0.25% a year ago, that's like the rate that the Federal Reserve charges banks to loan money. It went from 0.25%. It's now at 5%. And it's going to go up even higher in just a year. It like jumped 20 times. So in one year, in one year. Wow. So now, and it just, when people say like, what's the, the effect of interest rates has on businesses, it's not immediate. It takes time for it to have that effect and the time, and we're starting to see it now. So the prime rate in the U S right now is at 8%. The fed raises interest rates. Again, that prime rate is going to go up. So a lot of businesses, and I'm not talking about startups or, you know, growth mode businesses, they have their own challenges getting capital, but even existing companies are now to borrow money is costing them like nine, 10, 11%. And I have clients being like, Hey man, like that's too expensive for me, or I'm not going to buy that piece of equipment now or hire those people because it doesn't make sense with interest rates this high. So they don't, or they put it off. So that has this impact, you know, on the economy. That's where we're at right now is this sort of period. Um, But it's not, I'm like you, I mean, it's not doom and gloom. And the reason why is because, you know, long before you and I were born, there were business owners running businesses in the times of Cleopatra and Callisthenes and Demophanes. And they are, you know, business owners for years have, through through centuries, have been dealing with high interest rates and high inflation and slowing economies. And the smart ones navigate their way around them and carry on. And the ones that aren't so good at running a business fail and take a job somewhere else. I mean, you know, the interesting thing that I, you know, and what I hear from this and and what I experience as well as a business owner and, uh, you know, when, when the economy contracts, there's some industries that do really, really well. So on the payment processing side, it's just a matter of us kind of diverting and saying, okay, well, we don't want these types of clients. Now we're going to try to get these types of clients because these are the ones that are doing volume. But the, the thing that comes out is that in the people who are generally most scared are usually people who may not be as talented as they, they, you know, they think they are, um, you know, the, the people who are scared also don't have maybe as much training as they need, don't have as much, maybe they're relying a lot on marketing and not an actual product. You know what I mean? Like we say this all the time that, you know, the good old days of like buying traffic on Facebook and literally selling anything like a lip gloss would make you a ton of money. Well, now you actually have to have a strategy. You have to have a product. You actually have to have, you know, good marketing and, you know, at the end of the day, if your product sucks, it, it's going to sell when times are good. But when times are tough, people are going to be looking at it and be like, yeah, I don't think this is, you know, something that I want. So I, again, you know, a lot of businesses, I feel like what I call it is I, I call it, they're cutting out the fat, the people yep. who are just not as, you know, contributing as much as they should. So if you, if you are a person that gets cut, not necessarily that you, you're not as valuable, but it's time to look at your skills, sharpen them. It's funny that you say that because I literally 
just wrote a piece. I, I write for the Guardian every week. And um, so I wrote my piece today and it'll come out on Sunday. And it was about that specific topic. And it was about how the pendulum is swinging back. You know, for years, the past few years, it's been everything about the worker and workers protesting companies right. and workers, you know, quiet quitting and, you know, you know, basic Mondays or, you know, you know, whatever, you know, like people like not wanting to like, you know, it was all pro worker. Um, and then the economy starts sliding down. And what do companies do when the economy starts to slide? They can workers, you know, that's just, that's just what happens. Sure. And who are the first pre people that they go after? Well, it's the people that are usually the biggest pains in the neck or the and complainers, or the, complainers <laughs> the quiet quitters, you know, the whatever. Um, and also the ones that aren't providing them like return on investment, you know, yeah. and you always, if you're working at a company, um, you always have to be looking at yourself in the mirror and saying like, am I making my employer money? You know, yeah. am I am I valuable? Like what I'm doing? Can I be like replaced really easily? Uh, and am I a pain in the ass? <laughs> and if you can, if you can be honest with yourself, you might. That's a good one. That you know, being honest with yourself, and also, uh, you know, I mean, again, if they're cutting out ten percent, and you're one of the ten percent that's being cut, you gotta, you know, face the music. Why? Why are you one of the ten percent? If you're, like you said, if you're making somebody money, or if you're contributing to whatever they need, you're gonna be one of the last ones to go. You're not gonna be one yes. of the first ones to go. So, uh, again, you know, it's 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 also I, I like you know what you just said. It's kind of the balance of power is shifting now back a little bit. Mm. Um, I did feel as a business owner, hiring people, especially the last couple of years that we got to a, a level at some point, at least in North America, I know in, in third world countries, it's a little bit different and in secondary economies, but it was getting like the demands. Sometimes we're getting a little bit ridiculous from yeah. certain candidates. And like, you could tell by, you know, if you're watching guys on YouTube, like my annoyance at this, cause I'm like, you know, if, if, the field that I'm working in is fintech. It's a difficult field, meaning yes. it's difficult to find people who understand this world. If I'm going to spend my time, you know, getting a junior, especially if you're a junior to teach you all this stuff and you, you write me a list of demands of 15 things that you want before I hire you. Yeah. It's probably not going to happen, but I am, you know, as a business owner, a little bit happy that there's a little bit of pushback because, you know, it was getting, you know, you're paying six figures for people at two years of experience. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. You yeah, know, the compensation levels were really high. And, um, you know, the ADP report, you know, reports every month on, on their employment date. And they were showing that people that switched jobs were getting like 15% bumps in their salary and yeah. the average business paying seven to 8%. And then everybody wants four day work weeks and, uh, you know, and they want to work from home and they, they want to work, work flex hours and yeah. they want to have seven. Yeah. Unlimited, unlimited sick PTO days. and they want, yeah. you know, paternity leave when they get a puppy, they want days off, you know? Oh, wow. I haven't heard that paternity leave. Oh, That's yeah. Oh, yeah. It's also, also a thing. So now all these big companies, you know, Google and, you know, PayPal and Microsoft and Amazon, they're all cutting all that stuff, you know, back out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, because it was just, it was just a little bit too much. I'm not, I'm not saying that you don't, and you know this as well, you know, of course you value your workers. Um, but I do you know, I mean, and we appreciate business owners really do appreciate their workers. And I get that. But um, I, sometimes I just don't think that people coming out of college or younger workers or whatever, I don't realize that it is the business owners that are the ones taking the risk. Um, yes. So we're the ones buying the insurance. We're the ones that have to make payroll. We're the ones that if we go out of business, we're the ones that are screwed. You know, the employees themselves can change jobs. They're not taking any risk. Yeah. So, you know, you know, and, and so it, it's been a few years, a little bit of demonizing. And then, of course, legit, you know, it's been a very pro worker government in Washington as well. I think they have really good and valuable programs, um, but it's been very pro union and the Department of Labor's pro worker people. And so businesses sense that, you know, they sense yeah. that. 
And I'm not saying you know good or bad, but um, businesses tend to take more risks and invest more, hire more, expand when they feel like they're in more of a pro-business environment, and yes. if the government isn't gonna regulate them to death. And just uh, it's just the narrative has been over the past couple of years that it hasn't been that way. And so my clients are like, we're just kind of you know circling the wagons a little bit, and yeah. uh, you know kind of waiting things out for a couple of years to see if you know things turn around. Well, I mean, you know, uh, for myself, you know, personal experience uh, as a business owner is, you know, I'm like I said, I'm a little bit glad because I also feel like when I got out of school and I was, you know, going and getting jobs and so forth, like the opportunity to learn from somebody that, you know, was 20 mm. years experience running their own business would have been something that excited me a lot. Um mm. As a business owner, when I, you know, I'm hiring, let's say a, a junior EA or something like that, it's like, you know, coming with these crazy salary demands and feeling like I owe that person where they're, they're not seeing the opportunity that you're going to learn so much. You could take this and in five years from now, sure. you know, sure. multiply your income by 50 because you're getting all this stuff. But anyway, I mean, you know, it's going to go back and forth and it always has. Uh, and, you know, we different generations have different views on this. I know the younger generation is probably listening and saying, hey, you know, I, I, I am all for obviously everybody having, you know, some flexibility and so forth. Um, it's just a matter of kind of revaluating uh, or revaluing, I should say, you know, business owners. And like you said, the risks that they're taking and the, 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 the you know the 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 stress that's involved yes. with this type of commitment, right? You Sometimes know, you I, I I just I just have to add. I mean, because you bring up a really good point about the different generations. First of all, every generation complains about the generation after them, right? Yes. I mean, isn't it? Well, <laughs> all I those mean, young people don't, yeah, know, I don't know about that. And then the generation <laughs> like those old you know fogies, they don't know what they're talking. Whatever. So that's just that's just always happens. So there's nothing new. There's no news here. The other thing is, you know, like I have kids in their twenties. I have three kids that are like, you know, in their mid twenties. Um, they all have jobs. They work pretty hard and I know their friends, you know, and I see, I come across a lot of people that are millennials and, and Gen Zers, a lot of hardworking, really good, you know, people. Sometimes I feel like Maria, like, it's just like you got that one case of that millennial who's like some complainer <laughs> and then the media grabs on it. And that's what makes like, you know, all the yeah. headlines, you know what I mean? And so uh, sometimes I wonder if we, you know, if, if we're just, if you and I, I mean, no offense, but if we're being duped by what we see online, which might not really be reality, because I, well, yeah, I see no. my reality, it's not the same as what I read online. Do you know what I'm saying? I, I agree. And I think, you know, my parents shitted on my generation. I'm shitting on you. I, I try. <laughs> I, I would say I'm probably one of the least, uh, I don't shit that much on younger generations because I remember what it's like. And I feel like the, the generations that are younger are actually more efficient. Yeah, they're, they're actually more, they're actually nicer than my generation. Yes, and sure. they're more polite. Like they when I go are. to retail, yeah. um, you know, the younger people are usually a lot more polite yeah. and hello and yeah. welcoming and so forth. So yeah. I have nothing but good things to say about everybody in terms of every generation. But everybody, you know, even we have, you know, we have some older people, some boomers and stuff like that that are, you know, I call them, you know, the constant negative Nancy's it's always, yeah. everything always sucks. And I feel like that's one thing about the older generation that I yeah. feel I hear a lot. That's like constant complaining and constant, yeah. you know, conspiracy theory and like they're out yeah. to get us and all this stuff. And it's like, Oh, you know, and then we have the younger people that obviously are more positive and so forth. But, you know, I, I think, you know, with the economy kind of tying it back to the economy and how things are going and, you know, businesses uh, tightening their belt and so forth. I think a lot of people, 
people just start becoming a little bit more realistic and start yeah. realizing what opportunities are out there and start, you know, working a little bit harder. So I, I see it, you know, it can't always be roses and growth. It has to have contraction so we can kind of look introspectively and be able to decide, you know, like who's not doing a good job, who needs to be retooled? How can we be more efficient? And every time yeah. there's a contraction right after there's a big growth because yeah, you're right. You're right. Learn because you know? the world is cyclical because it's yeah. cyclical. You yeah. brought up a good point earlier. That I just want to emphasize as well when you were talking about um uh you know going after you know certain opportunities. Um and one thing I do have to say, like if you know, you know, if you're in you know direct sales, if you're in e-commerce, um, you know, the, the I, I like to always tell people to follow the money. And right now, I mean, support it or not, there's like almost $2 trillion worth of money that's going to certain industries. There's some, you know, legislation that was passed in the past two years in the US, the infrastructure bill that's going all towards infrastructure and construction, the Inflation Reduction Act, which is going towards all sorts of green and environmental products, you know, yeah. and the CHIPS Act, which is like almost $300 billion for like chip making manufacturers and the whole industry. And those are like the money's like flowing to those industries. And you think like, if you want to go after new markets and, you know, and pursue that, um, those are, I just wanted to add, those are some industries that my clients are looking at really closely and okay. um, seeing if they can sell into those markets. You know, you follow the money. Okay. So, I mean, talking a little bit more, kind of getting a little bit more tactical and, and, mm -hmm. and giving, you know, everybody listening some advice, whether, you know, keep in mind, if you're listening, you know, whether you're a business owner or whether you work for somebody, knowing more about the business that you work working and how you can contribute and give advice is always helpful. I always tell people, you know, if you're in marketing, whether you're, you know, whether you're buying traffic, you're a copywriter, um, you know, you're, you're heading HR, these are all useful things because you understand the landscape. So sure. Jean, can you tell us a little bit, you know, what are the, a couple of things that business owners should be doing right now to kind of prepare um, for, you know, mm. a, a contraction or, you know, a, call it a correction? Yeah. First of all, um, yeah, a lot of people try to give advice about the you know being in a recession or a growth. And I was like, well, watch your dollars or cut your overhead or save your money, which is like all yeah. oh, just okay. Frank, tell me something new. Yeah. Um, so I can tell you what my clients are doing and sure. what my community's doing. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, we want real world. Uh, on yeah, here's the real. Advice. Here's some real world advice in a uh, in a contracting economy. Really smart business owners cut product lines. That's for starters. Mm -hmm. What they do is they look at their all the products that they are selling because in a growing economy you're adding in everything and you're trying to please everybody. Sure. Uh, but the smart ones are looking at margins and they're saying, you know what, uh, there have been numerous studies that have found that like 25% of, of most companies' products generate 90% of their revenues, you know? Mm. So what the hell are you doing selling the other, you know, you know 80% of your product? So uh, I'm just telling you, my smartest clients are right now looking through all of their products and, um, and, and cutting. Uh, they're either outsourcing them, they're finding, you know, alternative suppliers. They're making sure that none of the products that they cut um, are maybe a favorite product of a big customer, you know? <laughs> so they are careful about that, but take a hard look at the products you're selling and cut them. That's number one. Yeah. Number two, I'm seeing a lot of my clients practice shrinkflation. Are you, are you familiar with shrinkflation? No, tell, tell, us, tell us what you mean. Shrinkflation, in nothing to do with our weight. Uh, it is, um, <laughs> shrinkflation is where you sell um, a little less of something but for the same price. Mm. 
So if you buy a bag of Doritos now, two years ago, it was 9.75 ounces. Now it's 9.25 ounces, but okay. it's the same price. Same or price, if you, yeah. Buy hefty mega packs. If you go into a Walmart, used to be 90 bags in the box, and now it's 80 bags in the box. And I heard that um, Domino's Pizza are now including less chicken wings in their orders, like eight versus 10 that they normally did, but for the same price. Now, I don't know who is getting chicken wings from Domino's because it's a pizza place, but maybe yeah, they deserve chicken it. from Domino's freaks me out. I'm like, why would yeah, it doesn't sound like Domino's something I would gross, get, but yeah. okay, listen, there's some people like it, but they're they're paying the same and they're getting a little bit less, you know. Well, and, you did say that it has nothing to do with our waistline, but you're lying because yeah, it does right, because you're eating food. less, which is actually a good thing. The the economy right. is putting you on a diet, guys. The economy That's, is putting you on a diet. Let's see. You know what, that was Domino's intentions. If you would ask them, they're like, you know, we care about our customers. We don't want them to see overweight, so we're just gonna give them less chicken wings in there the box. Go. Of course, we're gonna charge and them less Doritos. Is good for everybody. So there and it's go. the same so, thing if you if you stay in a hotel, like you know, it used to be you go to like these hotels and there would be you know like motion lotions and liquids and chocolates and now you have to beg for somebody to come and clean your room and you're paying extra for a towel yeah. and now there's like the big pump bottles of like the body spray in the shower. It used to be like nice individual soaps, whatever. Anyway, yeah. so they're all cutting back. But of course, hotels have decreased their their room rates. Right now, I'm just kidding. They have not. They've kept them the same. So, shrinkflation is another. Like in other words, if there's anything that you can sell or any services you can provide, one area for people who are selling online, um, freight is a thing. I mean, even Amazon is starting to monkey around with what their free freight is that they're providing to uh, you know to their their visitors. Uh, because they're realizing that, you know, maybe it's a free freight, you know, a free delivery if you're within 50 miles, um, but maybe it's a nominal charge if it's a little bit more than that. It's all about protecting your margins. Do you know what I yeah. mean? So, um, so you got to look at what you're selling or the services that you're providing. I'm just, again, this is just what my clients are doing. Um, well, and it's, it's working, right? So like, okay, so then th this is good sage advice. And, you know, we have a lot of online marketers in, you know, the, the supplement space um, and, you know, or course owners and this applies, yeah. right? If you have yeah. like 30 supplements, take a look at what your supplements you're selling and then just keep 10 or whatever number kind of makes sense, right? Uh, the more overhead you have, the more money you're spending unnecessarily. It's all about margins, but it's all about margins. You're absolutely right. And then the final, I have more, but the, the final piece of advice I can give you when it's just, when I, again, what I'm seeing is, um, you know, we, you know, businesses today have something that like our parents and grandparents didn't have uh, back in like the late seventies, early eighties, when like the last inflationary period was, and um, we have data, you know, like back oh, yeah. in the day, it was like the, the, the manual bookkeeping systems and whatever mm -hmm. today. People have QuickBooks and Sage and Zero and Epicor and Dynamic, whatever. You know, we've all got, you know, so I'm just telling my, my, my smartest clients, man, they're, they're digging into their data um, and they, they are targeting price increases based on what the data is telling them, you know? So it's like, this has been a really good customer. We have good margins. We're not going to increase the price on this person. This person, our margins are very low, you know, on them. And they're also kind of a pain in the neck to us. And um, I, I, I don't like, I don't like their house and I don't like their kid. So we're going to, we're going to increase, you know, our prices on that guy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so they're, they're looking at the actual, you know, they, they, some of my clients are, are increasing prices, um, you know, based on regions, they're increasing it based on product lines, they're increasing based on customer volume. So, I guess like in a slowing economy, if you're trying to recover costs and you are trying to increase prices, um, you got to do it very strategically and you've got the data 
to do that with. And speaking of data, you also have the data to communicate. So again, our parents, our grandparents didn't have Outlook and Gmail and Salesforce and Zoho. And we have all that. And my smartest clients are like heavily communicating with their customers. Like, you know, this is our lead time. This is our delivery time. This is, you know, we are going to have a price increase in three months and we're giving you that heads up and, you know, and it's appreciated and it keeps them close. So leverage your data, I guess is what I, what I'm saying. Well, I mean, talking about data and, and, you know, I have to tie this in, you're, you know, you, you're a business expert, you help all these companies kind of tighten ship and, and be more productive and so forth. So I'm wondering, talking about data and how it can help you and so forth, there's people like you can gather so much data, but sometimes it's a, ma- a matter of how you digest the data, yeah. not necessarily having it. Cause like, I mean, for me, you know, I have data for a lot of clients and I can get so granular that sometimes yeah. when I'm doing consulting agreements, they're looking at me like, what the hell is she talking about? Like, I don't, you know, so you always have to pick and choose what data is important. Now is, mm-hmm. is there anything that we can leverage? I'm going to bring a- AI up because AI is, oh, it okay. is, is the new kid on the block this year and everybody's talking about it, but is there anything that we can do to leverage AI to help us kind of digest? data or, or tools that you're seeing your customers use uh, with AI that help, uh, you know, kind of navigate their business? So I've got two pieces of advice when it comes to AI. Um, actually, three. Uh, first of all, just starting off, we're, we're probably all going to die at the hands of AI. So let's just get that out in the open here okay, right now. So okay. let's enjoy it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, I, I am, like I said, glasses have full. I fully believe that all the terrifying predictions um, as human beings. There, I was looking back in uh, the archives of newspapers. You would not believe the terrifying predictions people were making about the telephone and the telegraph. You know what I mean? Like people are panicked about that, you know, a hundred years ago. So, you know, I'm not, not to belittle the issue, but it is, it's an issue that I think will be addressed to answer your question though. Um, there's two things you can do with, with, you know, with AI in your business. Um, number one, I do recommend that you explore chat GPT. Um, I do like it a lot. I wrote a piece in Forbes a couple of weeks ago of like 27 things you can do with chat GPT right now in your business. Um, you should get familiar with it. Uh, you should play with it. I am telling you, I have clients that um, that are using it to compose emails, to help them write HR policies, uh, wow. to help them write blogs for their, you know, for their site. I mean, you know, Maria, you could be using ChatGPT to write blogs, like like one or two blogs a day on your site, and therefore it can transcribe this podcast as well. Um, it, you know, it will all of that helps with your SEO and you know attract people yeah. to your website. So it'll write. There's people in the real estate industry that are using. Chat GPT to write better descriptions of properties. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of really cool uses for it. You should get used to it. That's number one. Number two is your question about AI and how to use it or what to do. Um, you don't right now, you wait. Um, people okay. say, like, oh, should I be like writing an application using AI or whatever? If you're using I mentioned some of the accounting software, but if you're using Salesforce, if you're using uh, Microsoft you know, Office, if you're using you know, Google's business apps, trust me when I tell you that big tech will come to the rescue. Uh, they are all developing AI applications as we speak, you know? Yeah. So it is, it's not something you have to be proactive about. What you need to do is you need to be aware of new features in the applications that you own 
to beat the shit out of your vendors and ask them what features they're including and what they're doing and leverage because that's that's how all of your software vendors, the people providing you with those applicants, that's how they're going to stay in business and stay ahead is by leveraging AI and, and coming out with whatever type of automation that will continue to make you pay your monthly fee for the software. Okay. So you know, be aware and ask and then leverage the features that they're going to be providing to you. Um, that is my best piece of advice. And they're coming. They're coming. Okay. Microsoft is coming out with stuff. I mean, I don't know, Maria, how deeply you read into it, but like, it's crazy. Like Microsoft's coming out with stuff and so is Google. Like Google will look at all of your, you'll say to Google, go through all of my emails, find everybody with blue eyes and green hair. Who's a, you know, who's a Canadians fan that bought this product in the past year, you know, yeah. um, send them all an email using my frame of, you know, voice, you know what I mean? Include yeah. a joke in it. And then when anybody replies, make sure that you create a task for me and my calendar to follow up with that person. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're going to tell it what to do. And it's just going to go and do it for you. It's crazy stuff. Um, so I, I look forward to it. I mean, I think, you know, I, I look forward to it too, because I would really love to be able to just talk and, and create automations instead yeah. of trying to figure out different softwares. Like, you know, I was using different uh, email softwares and, you know, I had hired somebody to do it. It was a mess. I couldn't follow anything. I'm like, I don't know who's getting what. There's just emails being thrown out everywhere. It was a disaster. Yeah. I would love to be able to just with my live voice say, when somebody does this, can you just schedule an email for that? And so, so I think, you know, in general, people are afraid of AI, but like you said, tying it back to your conversation, to your comment about the telephone, yeah. every single new technology, like, I mean, you know, in the nineties with email and the internet, the internet's going to ruin, there's not going to be any jobs anymore. And now like literally there's nobody to work. They need like they they're everywhere I go. I see help one side. Everybody needs yeah. workers. So in, in 19th century England, there were people that tapped on windows to wake people up in the morning. That was like their job, you know, because there was no, <laughs> alarm clocks you know and there were, there was a blacksmith on every other block you know yeah. i mean i mean come on stuff changes everybody it's for the yeah. good you know good. what i mean yeah, yeah you get good. to do you get to do more you enjoy your life you learn new skills i mean there's there's no issue there all but, you have to no. do is look at the tax code and that will convince you that people will find something to do to keep them busy okay <laughs> <laughs> i mean it would be great i think you know government using uh, you know, these types of technologies, like, you know, whether it's the IRS you're, you're dealing with or the CRA here in Canada or different government body agencies, there is a lot of time wasted on things like, you know, most people have very easy returns, yes. easy taxes. And yes. it's like, you know, they work, they have, you know, their 401k, they have a couple of things like there's so much time and energy spent on things that are just irrelevant in terms yep. of, uh, you know, taxation and so forth. Uh, so, I mean, I think all, all, you know, I want to say Chad GPT because they're, I think the lead, you know, they are, I'm not thinking they're the leaders. They're the leader. right I feel now. like, you know, what, what, uh, Google did to Hard. Microsoft is now yeah. getting back done to them. So, yeah. you know, um, you know, it, it is what it is, you know, they, 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 they were, they were a little bit quicker to the game, but, um, you know, again, it's, you know, the theme obviously here is that, you know, it's just going to create more opportunities, embrace it, try to learn it. There's no need to be afraid of anything. Uh, you're not going to break it. It's not going to come kill you now for now, maybe, you know, yep. as Gene was saying, maybe they're going to take <laughs> us over soon, but, uh, for now, let's just kind of, you know, use it. I, I mean, the thing that does, 
get me a little bit afraid. I, I think the technology is going a lot faster than most people are realizing what, what their capabilities are. You know, like people who are, you know, voice prints, uh, biometrics are very easily copied. And I think yep. that that raises a big concern in terms of, um, you know, just identification, identity theft, and all this stuff. And I think that's what society is going to have to try to, um, you know, right. kind of manage and so forth. Because, you know, people call their banks and now their voice print could be used as their ID. Yep. Well, that doesn't work because ChatGPT can create a whole freaking script of you talking um, yep. and get that done. Um, I'm curious, just, you know, as we're talking a little bit more on, on kind of the business side of things again, and, you know, contractions and so forth, you were mentioning there are certain industries trees uh, earlier that you know do well and so forth um is there do you have like a list of things or do you have something um let's say if you're if you're in a business that's not doing too well i guess maybe this is a better way of positioning if you're in a business that is generally like during a recessionary period not doing too well what can you do to either kind of revive it or should you switch gears or what do you recommend for people that are kind of seeing their call it their their ship sinking at this time so there's you know i wrote a book about this a few years ago about um, people trying to navigate their way through a recession. It was based on people that you know, were navigating their way through the 2008 and 2009 recession. And like everything in life, you know, there's no one answer, you know, there's, you, you just can't say there's like a silver bullet that's going to say like, oh, this is what you do. Um, it kind of depends on your business. Um, I talked to some people that shut their business down altogether temporarily uh, and, oh, wow. and you know, lived off their savings for a year or two until they can get back, you know, back in action. I have other people that completely revamped what they were selling. I spoke to other people who partnered with other companies and shared, you know, products together and services together to try and see their way through. Um, I have other, you know, others that that invested in either new product lines or or people to sell, particularly if they're in a service business, you know? Okay. So there's no like one specific answer as to what, you know, what to do if you're in like a, you know, a down business. I can say that if you think that the business is a recoverable business, if it's the kind of business that it's suffering because of the recession, but then once things do turn around, um, it will recover because, you know, historically businesses like yours have been around, um, then it's a matter of waiting it out. And if you have got the financial resources to hunker down and wait something like that out, that might be you know your best course of action. Um, but again, it's just I, I wish I could give you a better answer, but it's just it just depends on your business. Oh, I, I you know I can appreciate that, and I think that that can you know guys, if you have any questions for Gene, uh, you know specific questions, pop them down below or or send us an email. Um, I also want to link you know that that Forbes article that you mentioned before, so we're gonna we're gonna pop that in for you guys down below. Um, just in closing, and I I mean I I'm curious your thought um, in terms of you know. In terms of, we're not going to say where you lean and so forth, but government involvement in business and how much they're helping, how much they don't help, how much help should we seek? You know, what are your thoughts on that? Like, I mean, right now, at least for the last couple of years with the pandemic and all that stuff that happened in Canada specifically, it was almost a free for all. And yeah. myself being, you know, a little bit more conservative minded is, is looking at this and it's like, you're just giving free money away to people without any question without, you know, this is obviously going to have a consequence. And obviously now we're seeing that consequence of like yeah. inflation and interest rates and all that. But yeah. I'm curious, what's your thought on, you know, like government involvement and how much 
how much can we bail people out before we let a couple of people hurt, I guess, is, is the good question. Yeah. I mean, you know, first of all, during the pandemic in the U.S., um, I think the government did really good things at the outset. I mean, they learned from the Depression uh, that if they didn't provide liquidity, the you know, the financial system would, would fail. Uh, so they did. They provided trillion dollars of li- liquidity, um, both the Treasury Department and the Federal Reserve. So banks carried on. They provided payments. I mean, come on. I mean, it was a fucking pandemic. I mean, you know, there were people that were given, you know, you know, unemployment insurance. There was paycheck protection for businesses. There was tons of fraud, but it all had to get rolled out real fast. Um, I, I actually think they stepped up and and you know and and did the right thing there. But then, as governments will do, it then got out of control. So, I mean, it was literally, you know, just in early May when the U.S. government like declared the pandemic uh, travel restrictions are over literally in early May of 2023. Oh, really? Yeah. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, you know, because there was up until up until then, some you know people traveling into the U.S. from certain countries still had to like show proof of vaccination, for God's sake, you know. Wow. So, yeah. And it, that was all done because it kept a lot of stimulus payments and pandemic related payments coming along. There was trillions of dollars of of, of um, legislation that was passed and funding passed that was connected to the pandemic. That was really just a cover um, for a lot of, you know, political agenda type programs. So it just it just it got to be too much. And now we're paying the price for it. We just have too much money washing around in the system, chasing too little buyers, uh, which and that's what causes inflation is when you have an oversupply of something. So the government does have a role. I mean, and I'm I just straight out. I'm a Republican. I'm a right to center guy. I'm not an ultra right guy. I'm like a fiscal conservative, but I'm socially liberal. You know, I don't really care what your gender is or what you do, you know, yeah. behind closed doors. It's that's to each his own. Um, and there were certain things that government, you know, like, I'm not a crazy supporter of a uh, believer that like the world's going to blow up because of climate change. Although yeah. I certainly have the same concerns as everybody else that, you know, we, we have to be looking after our environment. Um, so I don't think we should be doing everything as fast as what some governments are doing right now. Cause that's too fast. It's causing problems. You know, supply of oil is the biggest thing. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean like California passed, uh, you know, they, they passed laws that are saying like if you run like motor, you know, lawnmowers and motor, small motor vehicles and you're driving them, you can't buy them anymore after a certain date. I think it's 2030 maybe or 20. I forget what date it is. Like it has to be like, you know, electric, you know. So the whole landscaping industry is all up in, you know, up in arms about it. Um, and I get it. But at the same time, if you take small incremental steps and if a government does that and leads it in a period of time that's reasonable, people can adjust, you know, and move on. And big things don't happen without the government being involved. You know, look at ChatGPT and AI. I mean, the government needs to regulate it, just like they regulate our food and our pharmaceuticals and our agriculture. Um, this is something I think the government has to regulate that it's in the common good. Well, so, I, I, I agree and disagree just I, I, on that point. I think that government involvement is important, but the government usually doesn't understand as much as the industry. Perfect. So, you know, the, the, the people who are very intelligent that kind of mm, are high level people in these different types of industries, like whether AI and so forth, usually don't work for the government. They work for private companies. So the problem is oftentimes is that the government mislegislates uh, certain things, right? Yeah, and right. that's that's yeah, right. that's the key here is that, you know, uh, yeah, okay, I, I, I'm all for, you know, for example, crypto and and and, and that whole sphere and, and chat GPT and AI should be regulated. But, you know, we have, you know, people 
um, we need a mix of people in there that are actually understanding what this technology does. Because oftentimes when something new comes out, we hear regulation. I'm like, that doesn't even make any sense. You know, I yep, understand the I crypto agree. space quite well. And I'm like, there's a couple of things that they can do to make things a lot easier for everybody and make it clear. And a lot of the big crypto companies want the legislation because they're like, we don't want to be in this like gray zone. We just want to know what we're allowed to do and we'll follow the rules, you know? Yeah, I agree. Um, so, I mean, the, on the government side of things like legislation, I, I would kind of, I would say yes, with a little star, like a little caveat there that it needs to, you know, unfortunately that the smartest people get paid way too much money to work for government. And, and that's, you know, that's, that's the issue. Like, you know I think, I think, I think we're pretty smart. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going <laughs> to Canada and like, do you have to be a Canadian citizen to be like, I, you can run for prime minister and I'll be like your minister of the treasury. How does that sound? <laughs> that's, okay? that's great. Yeah. No, that I mean, I always say, you know, the best people who are going to run the country are people who, you know, accountants and business people and, and you know people like i went back to university um you know in my probably my early early 30s and i was an entrepreneur and i figured let me go back to like you know uh university and try to get a diploma in entrepreneurship i'd been running a business at that point for a little while went there went to a pretty big university went to a couple of classes i'm like this guy doesn't know what the hell he's talking about like, he literally <laughs> does not know what he's i'm like let me get up and, and teach this class because this has know nothing the to do. you know when you're reading a sales manual uh and it's like if the customer says this that i'm like no no, that that doesn't work like that. <laughs> so I mean, I it's just you know, like I said, unfortunately, but you know, you know, it's not those who who cannot teach, uh, but sometimes it does happen, you know, yeah, and absolutely. and we're seeing that a lot more. But you know, hopefully, people listening to podcasts and there's so much free content available there out there um, that you could you know self educate with the right sources with um, you know a little bit of guidance. Um, so, Gene, I mean, I thank you very much. I think you know you're a wealth of knowledge uh, in everything kind of finance business related. So we are going to link down below, um, you know. A couple of the articles that you mentioned. Um, and I'm looking forward to reading more, uh, more of your articles and guys, if you're, you know, if you're running small to medium sized business, you know, follow Gene, make sure you, you listen to his advice. Cause he's helping a lot of people kind of navigate these tough waters. And when things are good, it's also not a time to put your foot off the pedal, right? It's also, also time to, to make sure that you you're ready for these times. So, uh, again, thank you, Gene, for, for sharing all this wisdom and have yourself a great day. Maria, you're awesome. Thank you for having me on. Hope to see you again. Take care. Thank you. Hope you found today's session valuable. If you have any questions for me or just want to connect, please feel free to visit my website, mariasparagis.com. That's M-A-R-I-A-S-P-A-R-A-G-I-S.com. I'd love to hear what you're working on. So drop me a line on any hot button issues your business is experiencing. And remember, don't worry about failure. You only have to be right once.